This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. Australia has made it seven wins in a row for the perfect lead-in to the semifinals of the World Cup. They knocked over Bangladesh today by eight wickets and they did it pretty comfortably. My name is Josh Shonafinger, sitting here in the empty stands of the MCA Stadium in Pune, joined by Louis Cameron. Hello, Louis. How are you? Hi, Josh. I'm going well. What happened on the cricket field today, I felt like, was what was meant to happen, was what we kind of expected to happen, even though Max won and uh, Mitchell Stark weren't playing today. It's ironic because nothing in Pune is quite where it's meant to be. You think about this ground, it's on the side of a highway about 50 minutes from Pune. It's not really in Pune. I mean, it's kind of no, this big generous. sprawling kind of area uh, on the Pune-Mumbai expressway. However, there's no actual exit uh, to get from the expressway to the ground. There's kind of like a little side door through a dusty road to get up here. And then when you get here, nothing is where it should be. There's no permanent press facilities. Uh, the toilets aren't permanent either. I relieved myself on a bus today, perfectly legally. Wow. Yeah, it was like a little mini bus. There was a driver in the front of it uh, and there were toilets on there. Didn't you use them today? <laughs> okay, well, we don't have to go into detail, no. but yes. And, and then there was a shipping container as well mm. that also had uh, bathrooms as well. My point is... In Pune, nothing is where it should be, but we got a contest that was probably like we expected it to be, really. Yeah, real country footy slash country cricket yeah. vibes here, I reckon, just in the middle of nowhere. But beautiful ground once you're inside, but yeah. just a strange location. Uh, it's like the Indian equivalent of country footy. Like, if yes. you can imagine country footy, but in a 30 or 40 or 50,000 seat. <laughs> is it 50,000 seat stadium? Oh. There are only about 20 here today. Yeah. Yeah, and it looked about, you know, half-fish full. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's quite an impressive ground in, in a way, um, but apparently it's Steve Smith's favourite ground in the entire world. Uh, he made his, you know, that great century in the, yes, the did, test yeah. series in 2017. You can tell listeners that we're spending a lot of time talking about games that aren't the one we just watched because really the game we watched didn't matter all that much today, did it? Okay, well, I don't want to say it was forgettable, but let's run through the scores and uh, Mitch Marsh will certainly be remembering it because he nailed 177 not out in Australia's chase of 306. Yes, that's right. Bangladesh got 306 today, which was a lot more than a lot of us were expecting, but they batted well. I mean, all of their top order got starts. In fact, the top seven all got at least 20 runs. Top score was Torid Haroy, who got 74. He looked really good. And their stand-in skipper, Najmul Shanto, got 45. But he was run out by Manus Labuschagne, who was probably the envy. VP in the field today. We also had Sean Abbott making his World Cup debut. Took two wickets. Uh, was pretty good after a slow start. But in the end, eight for 306 for Bangladesh, which probably wasn't as many as they could have got mm. after a very good platform was set. In reply, though, Travis Head fell for 10. And then David Warner got to a half century before Mitch Marsh and Steve Smith 
put on a massive partnership to get Australia home. Eight wickets down and 32 balls to spare. It's not enough of a run rate boost to get Australia up into second, uh, but that matters very little because they'll still be playing South Africa in Kolkata. Hey, the home dressing room, apparently that's much better than the away one. Okay. They won't be in that now. Big psychological advantage for South Africa. Well, for a bit of context, why don't we hear what Daniel Vittori said at yesterday's pre-match press conference? Um, I think the home dressing room at Eden Gardens is better than the away one, so we want, we want second place so we can get in that dressing room. So they won't be getting that. I guess if they do get washed out in the semi-final in Kolkata, uh, you know, both, there is a reserve yeah, day a for the Friday as well. You know, if those both those days got washed out, um, then finishing second will be an advantage because that would put South Africa in the final. But I don't think we're going to get two days washed out in India. Seems very unlikely. Louis, uh, Mitch Marsh, he was the star, 177. Into the gap, 100 for Mitch Marsh, a fine knock. His second time of this World Cup. Teammates are on their feet. Crowd are on their feet. And the big boy from Western Australia has done a fine job for his country. Got his first World Cup century earlier in the tournament against Pakistan in Bangalore with a brilliant 120 there. But today, uh, he got to 100. He started to cramp. It looked like he might be ready to throw it away. But he kept going, and he kept going really well. Nine sixes in total. I think he hit half a dozen after he got to his 100, and it just kept going. Yeah, and that's a really good point, I think, Josh, because yeah, we know he's capable of that 100. He's, he's done mm -hmm. that 100. I mean, he effectively opened today. I mean, Travis Head only lasted 11 balls. Uh, Marshall's in there in the fourth over of the day. Uh, third over of the day, it actually was. Mm. So very early on. So he's uh, when he's the de facto opener, I think Australia are very happy with um, him kind of coming in in that situation. He told us just now um, in our little little chat um, with the Aussie pack that one of the things he'd been disappointed about early in the tournament was how he got out against New Zealand when he came in in very different circumstances um, kind of later in the innings. And he just felt like he kind of got caught up a little bit and didn't kind of play the expansive way that uh, he knows he can. A little bit similar to how Glenn Maxwell spoke about when he came in after Marsh and Warner had put on that big opening partnership against Pakistan, got promoted to number three, got out first ball because he was you know, over aroused as he put it. So kind of coming in at the 20, 30, 40th over mark, um, even if they've only lost one wicket, that can be really difficult. Um, but what Marsh did today was, yep, he made that 100. Yep, he was cramping and fatiguing, you know, around the time he got to a century. But exactly, he pushed on, he finished with nine sixes, um, and he got the job done, getting the red ink in a, in a winning run chase. The first time they've ever chased 300 at a World Cup. It's, um, you know, it, we can say well, it's only Bangladesh. They're going to finish eighth at this World Cup in all probability. Uh, the, the lack of height of their spin bowlers, you know, was really telling on a pitch that had nothing on it you know it wasn't the greatest opposition but you know what else can you do that's right well he converted to three figures and it was a subdued celebration for marsh today obviously it was, it's been a tough week for him with a loss in the family and he's flying back to perth before the uh, england game and then back here before the afghanistan game he was asked at the post-match press conference uh, just about the emotions that he was feeling when he brought up a hundred oh it's always a great honor to score a hundred but um yeah, I was pretty cooked to be honest. I was just starting to cramp at that stage, so um, I was trying to keep my heart rate low and um, not exert too much energy. So um, yeah, this one meant just as just as much as any other hundred that I've ever made. And so at the other end, Steve Smith, 63 off 64 balls today, not out, four fours and one six. It was probably a pleasing return for Smith, who we know he's battled vertigo over the past little bit, and he's struggled to convert his starts into big scores. And even though he was not out here at the end, um, a 
pleasing return for Steve Smith. Yeah, I thought he batted beautifully. I thought it's the best I've certainly seen him bat at this World Cup, having mm. um, only subbed in at the halfway point. But you look at the the numbers, 63 off 64, and only uh, four fours and a six. That suggests that he's getting off strike yeah. really well, and he did really well to feed Mitch Marsh when he was going, and Marsh was just pummeling the the, um, the spinners everywhere. Um, so that is a really good sign because we watched him train before the Afghanistan game and he trained for quite a long time and you could tell he was really affected by it um, and I think we kind of found out later that it was probably he was probably 24 hours away from playing that match so um, you kind of hope that you know that vertigo thing isn't something that's linked to concussions and that might be something that happens more frequently as he as he gets older and um, things start to slow down but uh, you know, I think he, he's, you know, Touchwood, he's, he's looking good for the semi-finals and, and beyond, potentially. Um, back at the start of the day, Pat Cummins won the toss and chose to bowl first, which uh, probably surprised a few people, mm. maybe hoping that Bangladesh would roll over with not much on the line for them, but they didn't. And they stood up and it meant that Pat Cummins had to use seven bowlers, gave everybody a bit of a go today, gave a lot of overs to the all-rounders. Marsh bowled four, head bowled six, and Stoinis bowled five. Sean Abbott, of course, bowled his full allotment, uh, considering it was his first game of the tournament. And then Hazelwood and himself, Cummins, only bowled seven and eight, respectively. So they didn't really push themselves too much, you'd probably say today. Uh, but it was another fantastic return from Adam Zampa. Two for 32 of his 10 overs. It takes him to the top of the leaderboard as far as wickets go in this World Cup. And he's still got at least one more match to go. Apologies to listeners if the flow of this podcast has just been disrupted a little bit. You, can, you, won't, you can't hear it now, but they've just left, let off some firecrackers on the side of the ground. Not because Australia had an eight-wicket win over Bangladesh, but because it's uh, the eve of the final day of Diwali. And that's obviously a, a big deal in... Uh, Hindu culture so if it does get interrupted again uh, you know what the, that sound is just but a firecracker and nothing more sinister exactly right so the bowling from Adam Zampa today was um, was super impressive and I think he's something that Australia have got for that semi-final that uh, South Africa don't but we'll touch on that a bit later I thought the I mean Australia were really cruising through their bowling innings today and they were ticking off a few mm. boxes so first of all get Sean Abbott into the tournament bowled really well there go a few more fireworks uh, and the other one is getting some overs into Mitchell Marsh and Marcus Stoinis um, they haven't bowled a lot in this tournament I think they just want to make sure they're tip top and game yep. ready and I think the fact that Cummins only bowled eight overs Hazelwood only bowled seven and they didn't go back to them at the death they went to Abbott and uh, Stoinis instead of the last four overs. Just shows they want to give those guys mm. some, you know, you know, still World Cup intensity overs, but, you know, ones that aren't, you know, particularly consequential. And do we need to read anything into Mitch Stark missing out today? Obviously, he hasn't had the tournament that he would have hoped so far, but he was not selected today and Sean Abbott came in. Do we need to read into that? The word is that he's just being rested. Um, no um, sign of an injury or anything. He was obviously a guy who um, pushed through the world, uh, sorry, pushed through the World Test Championship and Ashes, mm. playing five of those six tests. And I think he played the last one with a reasonable ankle or there's been so many injuries this year. <laughs> but um, the point is they've managed Stark and all the, those three main fast bowlers really well this year. Yeah, so now we head to the semi-final stage of the tournament. It's been a long time and now we're finally there at the knockouts. It's New Zealand again. India in Mumbai on the 15th, that's Wednesday, and then that's followed by Australia, South Africa in Kolkata at the famous Eden Gardens on the 16th. Uh, South Africa, we know that they've been fantastic this tournament. They knocked off Australia in the second match way back when. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it was like a lifetime for you. Yeah. Um, what are we going to expect on Thursday? Both sides are basically fully fit. 
Uh, how do you see it playing out? I reckon it's genuinely 50-50, Josh. Like, South Africa have probably had the better tournament on balance, although Australia now mm. will finish on the same number of points as South Africa. So they might argue that they're in better form with seven wins on the trot and South Africa having a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, I think both teams are going to want to bat first. I mean, yeah. especially South Africa. Yes, they can talk about chasing, you know, no demons for them in that regard. And I believe them. I just think that they're a better team when they bat first. They're interesting teams and in there are some real similarities between them. So both of them have had really strong tournaments from a left-handed opener. So Quinton de Kock, four centuries in this tournament uh, for South Africa. I think he's a leading run scorer with 591. At least he was when I checked at the start of this game. Uh, and then David Warner obviously has um, scored two centuries and had some you know really big uh, influences on games in this World Cup. And then South Africa's big strength, I think, uh, going into that semi-final is going to be their middle order. Like we've obviously got Klaassen, who we talked about as that X factor, but then also David Miller's had a really good tournament. Aidan Markham's had an excellent tournament, and Marco Janssen there at the end has been fantastic as well. So Australia have got the better spinner. South Africa got the better middle order. Really fascinating dynamic to see unfold in Kolkata, a venue that I just can't wait to go and see. It's going to be fantastic. We do hope you can join us again after that match. It's going to be a ripper. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the fireworks. We'll catch you on the next episode. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.